Welcome, everybody. Uh, we've got a full house again tonight. It's been a while since we've had uh, a full house. What was the last one Milton, that we had a full house on? Uh, what was was it? it Nightmare on Elm Street? It might have been, yeah. I think so. How many people did we have again for um, The Exorcist? That was just the, the was three, three of us. us. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street. And, uh, I think it was Hellboy. Uh, yeah, but I mean, uh, just for the movie reviews. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Which ironically enough, of course, also had had Dulu. Uh So I've had this one planned for a while. Uh, we got a new new guest appearance. Uh, what do you prefer to go by online? Just tell me by my name. I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so this is my oldest friend. Uh, I've known her since I was in the second grade. Uh, haven't haven't seen her in a while, so it's cool that we're able to to do this. Um, so as always, when we have a new guest, so we're going to pick on them for a little bit. Uh, so Sarah, I mean, I know we both share love for like the Evil Dead movies, but what other kind of horror movies or games and other shit do you like in your spare time? Um, I, I don't actually, unfortunately I've fallen off the, the wagon on horror <laughs> films. Um, this, I'm glad that I'm doing this cause I'm, I'm getting back into it, but, um, I do like, like classics like The Exorcist and... Um, yeah, movies like that. And then, like, zombie films. Those are really cool, too. Elliot. Yeah. But, yeah. Have you ever that's, seen that's Return really of the Living Dead? No. No, I haven't. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's to be yeah. on my list, for sure. <laughs> Hell, yeah. Yeah, Milton and I went through a bunch of zombie movies. What was it, like, last month? Yeah, I would say... Yeah, not too not too recently, I would say. Yeah. Time gets all mixed up when you do this every week. I can't remember how, how long ago that was. Yeah, we did the Romero films. We did bastardized remakes of the Romero films, too. Uh, oh. yeah. yeah, there's a 2008 remake of Day of the Dead. Don't watch it. It sucks. I, I can be kind, I guess, to the Zack Snyder one. but The Zack yeah, Snyder one is pretty good. Like, it's barely a remake, right? It's just, oh, in the mall. Uh but we're we're getting off track here a little bit. Uh, so we are here to discuss, as always, two movies every week. Uh, we're starting. We're doing um, Sinister and Evil Dead. I said those in completely the wrong order. Uh, we're obviously we're going to start. We usually go by release order, which of course Evil Dead would come first. Um, I guess just a couple of things to bring up real quick is we got a trailer for the Chucky show. It looks good. I'm excited for that. And we got a trailer for the Day of the Dead show. And I'm going to just Milton directly on this one because you love Day of the Dead. I do. Have you seen this trailer yet? I don't want to. I, I'm not sure I could take it. Man. It They turned it into a sitcom. Uh, oh, we did talk about this. Did we? And it's okay. still awful. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Fuck you, sci-fi. No, sippy. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, Sippy. Fuck you, Sippy. Better, that Child's Play show better be fucking good to make up for it. But uh, anyway, uh, we'll start off with The Evil Dead. Because there's not really much else to go go on about this week. Wanted to briefly mention those trailers. Uh, and I'm going to let Sarah take, over, take on this one to tell us about The Evil Dead. Since that's one of, I would assume, one of your favorite movies in the genre. Yeah. Um, so, I guess just start off by giving a synopsis. Yeah. Um, 
a man and his friends go into the woods in a cabin and they find some sketchy things in the in the basement and somebody plays a tape and then the rest is history. That's still better than Austin's synopsis of the Yeah. <laughs> History was made, Sam Raimi made his career, Bruce Kimmel made his, and no one else. Yeah, I mean, most of them, a couple of them didn't even act for a long time after this movie, which we'll get into, because the production of this movie is almost as fascinating as the movie itself. Um, I don't know how, I know, like, Doolittle and has probably almost as much, if not more, knowledge of that than I do. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a wonderful like prototype to Evil Dead 2, which is the best horror movie ever made. Um, so, Sarah, I've, we've never actually talked about Evil Dead. We've known each other all these years, but I don't think we've ever actually just talked about Evil Dead. <laughs> so, what do you think of think Evil so Dead? Ah, damn. I think... Well, I studied, as a minor, I studied production and film, and I think it's one of the best, like, productions, because it started out as a short film, a college, like, short film, and then it turned into this, like, iconic franchise, and of course, Bruce Campbell is just awesome, so, um, I really like him, and Sam Raimi went on to make a really good career for himself, but, uh, like, it's it's definitely number one on my list for zombie films, and I even really like the video games that came out. Oh gosh, that was a long time ago. Like, Xbox. Ago. Yep. The, we, uh, the Xbox games, so. I'm actually planning to do a playthrough of one of those for the channel. I found a way to play it. Uh, I still have the physical copies of them. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. All that, that is yeah. awesome. Those are impossible. Mm -hmm. Man, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to play Regeneration. Yeah, that's a good one. For sure. Yeah, I remember those games many times when I was hanging out at your house. I'd be like, I, I kind of want to play this, but I know I'm going to have to leave in like 20 minutes, so I'm not going to start. <laughs> yeah, it, it's those games are super hard, too. So just just a heads up. like You're going to be I used to own Regeneration, and... yeah. <laughs> they're they're fun though. I really recommend them if you can find them. For sure. Have you looked at the new game? There's a new game. Yeah, there is. It is a multiplayer only game, but it looks super fun. You get to team up with friends I against haven't... deadites. Remind me after the podcast. I'll show you. The, I'll send you the trailer. Yeah, yeah that sounds fun. I'd play that. <laughs> it does look cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this oh, is yeah. amateur filmmaking at its best, and I don't mean that as an insult. Like, I'm amazed that for $300,000, we got a movie that looks like this. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Although it's I will say, I watched the uh, recently released 4K transfer. One of the unfortunate parts of the 4K transfer is it makes the gloriously bad special effects even worse. Uh, my new favorite really? shot... Yeah, my new favorite shot is when they're like hitting Cheryl in the into the cellar, but it's clearly a dummy. <laughs> well, yeah. Wow. And, and I'm not knocking the movie in any way. It's just one of those unfortunate things. As you move into higher and higher fidelity of film, yeah, you're gonna notice more of these. Yeah, I watched it through the HD um, on PlayStation Network, and 
Um, I didn't, like, have any issues like that, but I can understand, though, if it's, like, a 4K transfer. Like, that's, like, a ton of generational gap right there. <laughs> I understand that. Mm-hmm. Now, not all of the special effects are bad, but you can tell when they got too ambitious for their budget. I think all yeah. the actual blood, like, uh, when... Um, Terrible at names, but the one that he tries to bury, like, tries to, like, claw his leg, that looks good. All the blood that gets splashed on him, all that stuff looks great. It's when they try to go, like, oh, here's a dummy for a demon getting decapitated or some shit. It's like, yeah, uh, that thing is not moving even before you decapitated it. (laughs) Uh, Also, an interesting performance from Bruce Campbell, because this is not, like, the Ash that got popular. No. Uh, he's kind of nothing in this movie, like, if we're just being honest. Bruce Campbell yeah. said that he couldn't act when he was doing this movie. He he looks on this in embarrassment sometimes. Um, yeah, I remember hearing him say that. Well, I mean, let's be honest, none of them in this movie can really act, but the movie, like, overcomes that. Yeah, yeah I think uh, Bruce Campbell in this movie, uh, this version of Ash, he's much more... Uh, low key, and he's also much more just like just just kind of a, like a guy. Like Ash later on will be known as like just a, just a total ass. You know what I mean? Which is hilarious, and I love that. But in this movie, he's much more of just I don't know. He's he's uh he's kind of like the straight guy. You know what I mean? Like he's he's like and every, like the other person is much more of an ass. I I don't I can't remember his name. Scotty. Um, yeah, that's right. He's, he's a bit more uh, uh, kind of juvenile and foolish. Well, I've always I've always ran with the theory that each of these movies is from Ash's point of view, and as yeah. he gets crazy, like gets more desensitized and like starts snapping, that's when the movies start to get like crazier. So this franchise is really just like the descent of madness of one human being. <laughs> <laughs> and so you get to Ash versus Evil Dead and he's just like, he's done Like there's nothing resembling sanity left in there at all mm-hmm. no uh, so Milton I'm, I know you're 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 becoming more adjusted to the horror, fran- horror genre but you're still yeah. relatively uh, new so I'm interested to see what you think of this one. well I've already seen it um, I saw this uh, quite a while ago because I knew about Bruce Campbell, mostly because I knew about Spider-Man. The Spider-Man movies under Sam Raimi's direction, and Bruce Campbell would often guest yeah. star as a, in cameo in those movies. Um, I had also seen Burn Notice, so Bruce Campbell is like one of the main you know co-stars of that show. And so I just kept going with, I looked under his IMDb and said, The Evil Dead, what's that? I looked at the history. Oh, all righty. You know what? I want to see this. And then I saw Evil Dead, Evil Dead Two, and then, uh, yeah. After that, I kind of just started watching the rest of the stuff that he was in. Uh, Ash is also in Poker Night at the Inventory Two on Steam. What? <laughs> Wait, what is Wait, what is that? It's a it's a poker night uh, game simulator essentially, but featuring like the personalities of like four larger than life uh, fictional characters, like um, Brock Samson from The Venture Brothers, you know Ash from The Evil Dead, um, Sam and Max, right. from the series Sam and Max, uh, 
Interesting. And Claptrap from Borderlands. But I kind of want to play it just based on that. But anyway. But in any case, so I'd seen this a while back. Um, I was weirded out at first, especially by Tree Rape. That was certainly something to adjust to for the first time. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. but other than that, yeah. which I thought was a little out of place, but whatever. I I really enjoyed the rest of it. I loved the gore and the action. The acting was okay, but I was just generally interested in this lower budget, like gore exploitation kind of feel to it. I thought it was a fun movie. It ended in a very weird way, so much so that I really wanted to see the sequel because apparently it takes up right after, kind of. But what, yeah, but it's, kind of. It's weird, but yeah. Yeah, this whole series has a problem with uh, continuity, but it's it's also just like whatever. Yeah, as we have, as we, me and John have said before, you don't really need to get into the Evil Dead franchise by seeing the first one first. You could do Evil Dead two, and that would be fine. But I still, I still like this movie. I would still recommend it to people, just with the understanding yeah. that it's not, it's not the standard by which we judge this franchise as a whole. That's Evil Dead two. This yeah, is I always concept. I always tell people. Oh, the way I get people into Evil Dead is I show them the second movie, and then I say, I you know this is the best, and I think the one that I would watch first. But I highly recommend watching the first one because it is such an important film in uh, like horror history and also just like film history in general. Because you know their, their journey, which we'll probably talk about later, you know, like they they kind of. From the traditional kind of Hollywood system, that's not how they broke in, you know. So that whole thing is very important in that way. Um, and also, it is really good. It's just that Evil Dead Two is just like so much better, the more accessible. Yeah, and it's much better. In my opinion. It's like, yeah, yeah. I always tell people start with two, and if you're curious, because I know not everybody cares about film history. If you're curious, watch the first one. Just to see what a bunch of kids in the woods can do. Um, oh, that's fair. Very confident kids in the woods can do. Very Well, yeah, I mean, because when I say this is kind of like, a, it's a good, like, prototype for Evil Dead 2, it's in multiple ways, right? Because he starts with experimenting with the camera, but it's nothing quite like the energy he has in 2. Uh, Bruce Campbell doesn't know what he's doing in this movie for the most part. He's just some guy. And I don't mean that in a bad way, because this movie, like I said, is still very good. But everything that started here is perfected in two, I think. Yeah. And Raimi's, like, camera movement, like, it's it's still really fun. You can tell it has, like, that distinct Raimi feel. But um, I noticed that the camera is much more shaky this time mm-hmm. in a lot of shots, which is interesting. They couldn't like, afford to, like, stand for the camera. It's just yeah, some guy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm didn't have the budget for the rigs for the cameras, so he had to basically run through the woods with the camera attached to him. Well, and on like a 2x4, why... I think, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, 2x4. Um, and they also had a lot of people, like, do different angles and do shaky, like, they, he developed the shaky technique, and it kind of just stuck in Hollywood, and it's actually really cool, because that's not what they intended to do, but it, it ended up, you know setting a precedent for horror films yeah. for forever now. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
All right, so turn Sarah. Uh, how did you find the Evil Dead? Just out of curiosity. Oh, my dad. Um, he, I was probably like ten when he's like, "Let's watch this movie," <laughs> and we watched all three of them. And he loves Bruce Campbell, so I have a lot of Evil Dead merchandise. I have an Army of Darkness T-shirt that he bought me a long time ago, and just kind of we still quote, put it so. It's just kind of a father-daughter thing that we we talk about occasionally. So Hell yeah, that's awesome. That's why that's why I learned. Yeah. So we've heard where we've heard where uh, Milton and Sarah found it. Doolittle, where did you first discover it? Uh, actually, kind of similar to how Sarah found it. Uh, my father exposed it to me. I just like out of nowhere, like I was just like playing with like some action figures, and it was like. Joshua, do you want to see something really cool? And I said, yeah. And then he was like, here, check this out. Army of Darkness. And I watched Army of Darkness and I just I fell in love with it. I thought it was awesome. Um, yeah, and I think that, like, you know, it's, I think, you know, Evil Dead 2 is still my favorite of the trilogy, but Army of Darkness is, is, is wonderful. It's a really good movie. It's a lot of fun. So that's something, again, that, that is actually something I share with my father. Uh, is is uh, Evil Dead and, and you know just and uh, you know Bruce Campbell in general. Um, my dad has the uh, the book um, If Chins Could Kill, um, I think is what it's called with the Bruce Campbell book, mm-hmm. which I have not read, uh, but I really want it. Um, you know, he's a huge fan. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm gonna third this. Uh, I found the VHS copy at my dad's house. And it had, like, the original poster, you know, that really awesome skull. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck this is, but I've got to watch it. And I was like, after it was over, I was like, I don't I don't know what I just watched, but I'm pretty sure it was awesome. And then as I grew older, of course, it just became my favorite movie. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have to say, I actually think the first one is my least favorite, even though it's probably the one I respect the most. But if I'm just going to put one on, it's not going to be this one. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just, it's a tier of, like, you know, escalating quality, essentially. Yeah, it's like it's Evil Dead, Marie, Evil Dead, Marie. you got Evil Dead 2, and then you got, like, Army of Darkness, like, right. Kind of, yeah. just above the first one. With those tears, yeah, that's fair. Uh, yep. Props to the dads. Yeah, and I mean, the most impressive thing about this movie as well is that it never feels boring. Uh, Raimi knows how to pace a scene... Uh, although I, I kind of agree with Raimi, I wish he had cut that tree rape scene because it's like, why is that there? Yeah, well, I guess he wanted to establish how evil could come about and, and possess someone, I suppose. But he could have done that a different way. Yeah, well, there is a someone uh, that wasn't Raimi's choice actually. That was someone else. Uh, that was someone else's choice, and the oh, rationale okay. behind it was they wanted to hurt the audience. I think. Uh, but I I agree with uh, so so Rainey actually said that she cut that scene. I read that somewhere. I don't remember where. Now. I'll have to look into it. But I remember him reading. He regrets yeah. having that in the movie. Yeah, I, I I think I think I agree with that. Uh, it was it was a bit kind of out of place. Um, I it was interesting the way they they did the effect because you know like they had to they did it in reverse. Or whatever with the tree, so they were actually pulling the uh, the branch, and then they just like, did it in reverse so that it looked like it was climbing up. I thought that was interesting. 
interesting, but I, I don't, that's kind of a weird scene, in my oh, opinion. Yeah, it doesn't, even tonally, it doesn't fit with the rest of the movie, I don't think. No. Uh, it's way that, too dark, you know, and too serious. Yeah. Because you got, like, these demons that are, I mean, the movie itself is relatively dark, but, like, the Deadites themselves are never, like, dark and serious. They're always just there to mess with people. Um, yeah. Most notably, my least Isn't favorite, the Ash's... laughing girl. Isn't that Ash's girlfriend, too? Sister. Yeah. Sister? Oh, that makes sense about hurting the audience, for yeah. sure. It certainly it's made me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, although it is interesting as well, because I think there's an argument to be made that Scott is almost is the main character for almost the first half. And it doesn't really become Ash until he's just the last one left. <laughs> but, I, I did kind of yeah. feel the same way the first time I saw it too, so I can I can understand that. And the second half is just Sam Raimi beating the shit out of Bruce Campbell. Pretty much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, has, has, yeah. Has anybody, like, checked those two into therapy? Because, like, Sam Raimi really enjoys hurting Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Well, I think the trick is that Sam Raimi... Yeah. yeah, I think the trick is that Sam Raimi is just a really, really upstanding guy. <laughs> That's why they're okay with I think. Because yeah, I forgot how much punishment Ash takes in this movie. Like, he gets beat with that, like, fireplace poker. His leg gets all scratched. I mean, that, that's the sacrifice you make, I guess, with making a movie like this. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, the the making of this movie, like we mentioned, is no, was notoriously difficult. Yeah. Uh, like, the actress we mentioned, the one that plays Cheryl, I was looking on her wiki page, she didn't star in another movie after this until, like, the mid-2000s. Yeah. Yeah, that's rough. Uh, Milton, yeah, have you looked into the making of this? Right? Oh, sorry. Oh, you're good, dude. Sorry. But have you looked into the actual making of this movie? Uh, a, li- a little. Every, um, I know about more more from the acting standpoint. Um, I know that they're you know initially secured like ninety thousand dollars to work on the Evil Dead, but it was uh, like the stop motion animations were rather expense expensive, as well as like a lot of the prosthetic makeup. There were a lot yeah, of like financial difficulties that just happened throughout this movie. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Stephen King gave the rave review of the the movie, <coughs> which apparently is how New Line Cinema, you know, picked up on distribution for it. So, yeah, I'm I'm actually glad you mentioned that because I honestly would have forgotten. Stephen King is what saved this movie. Like, without that review from Stephen King, this movie would have just been in a dumpster somewhere, like a forgotten eighties movie. Yeah, it probably would have gone direct to DVD. Or got direct video. It was uh, just I didn't even crack you. I was just like, oh, I know what he means. But yeah, I've always loved that yeah. it was Stephen King that saved this movie. Yeah. And another interesting tidbit um, Joel Cohen of the famous Cohen Brothers was an assistant director on this film. Oh, yeah. So, the, the Cohen brothers lived with Sam Mimi for a long time. I think they even were college roommates at some point. So, yeah, they have a lot of history working together and doing stuff together. Oh, that's cool. Holly Hunter was there, too, I believe, uh, as a roommate. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, let, what, I, what I was more referring to about the behind the scenes is 
Like the, that cabin that they're in had no like ice uh, insulation. Uh, so they were using like toxic kerosene heaters. Those yeah. contacts that you're only supposed to wear for like an hour at a time, they'd have to wear them for eight to 10 hours a day, probably longer. Um, like they were miserable that entire shoot. Uh, in fact, I have heard, and I've never been able to notice this, maybe because of the makeup or if they're just doing their jobs really well. There are certain reshoots where you can tell it's not the same actor because Sam couldn't get them back for reshoots because they're like, no, I'm done. Like, I'm not going back for that shit. Yeah. Which is understandable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, to add on to that, they used real bullets, uh, firearms, which are not supposed to do traditionally. And they also used real glass for, like, the, the, the windows, um, which is insane. Uh, for like other like productions, but like they somehow were able to do that. Like, they didn't know any better. It was the first time doing it, you know. You're so, just doing the best with what you got. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a miracle this movie came yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely with that Stephen King, this thing would not have gotten picked up at all. I'm surprised they were even brave enough, even with Stephen King's review, to still you know distribute this movie. As big as Stephen King was in the eighties, I can definitely understand New Line picking it up because you got to remember as well that this is before Nightmare on Elm Street. New Line is still yeah. desperate for a hit. That's true. That makes sense. Yeah, Freddie hadn't yeah. quite built that house yet. There was a lot of backlash because uh, this was uh, upon the release of this film because this was still during the whole like satanic panic kind of thing that was going on in the UK and over in this country as well. So video nasties, yeah. Yeah, that that's sort of thing. Which I think this... next week's movie is one of those is about right, which is interesting. Oh fascinating. Just a quick plug there, I'll I'll say more at the end of the show. Um but yeah, I mean the most surprising thing about this movie is it came out in eighty one. Like it's kind of the bridge between the seventies horror and the eighties horror. Uh because eighties horror you know, we were allowed to go more places Whereas 70s horrors, I don't want to say tame, but it was not about the like the blood and the gore and the shock factor. But yeah, this is our we watched an X-rated film, guys. Oh, <laughs> on PSN it's NC17, which is interesting. Um, but I think uh, when it came out, it was X. Is that correct? Wow. Yeah. Probably. Which by yeah. today's standards, this is a fairly tame movie. If yeah. And in the video game, he actually, because um, Bruce Campbell did the voices for the video game, he actually mentioned something about that, about it being an X-rated film. Hmm. It's actually funny, because if you don't catch it, you're like, what is he talking about? Yeah. Then you learn, then you learn later on, oh, that's what he was talking about. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how that works out with the ratings, and, you know, it is interesting, because I feel like there's a... Uh, you know, there's nothing in here that wouldn't be in an R-rated movie now, but I guess at the time it was just, like, so ahead of its time in a lot of ways that it is what it is. I agree with you because, I mean, yeah, it is a little tame in places, but some of the stuff, like, the just sheer amount of blood at the end, I think would be more in the late 80s or even nowadays. I think... Yeah. Some movies now aren't even as like gory as that movie is. Mm -hmm. And we have better looking gore, but you know, pick your poison. <laughs> yeah. 
My favorite is when he pokes the one dead eye's eyes out and it should red paint. Clearly red oh, paint. Oh, eye gouging? Yeah. yeah. It's a uncomfortable to watch, but definitely. I'll say it just makes me laugh. Because I can tell it's yeah. red paint. It's like bright red paint. It doesn't look <laughs> like blood at all. Yeah. There's always something in movies that makes me like super like squeamish. Um and that's not an exception, but I, I understand what you're talking about this really funny effect that they did. Now I will say this movie does make me squirm a little bit at the end when it's just that mess of claymation. I was just like, Oh, that's that's gross. Oh yeah, when the cockroaches come in. When the cockroaches like, and that like green puke looking stuff. Yeah, uh, man. It's, I'm it's just nasty. like, oh, gross. Yeah, they did a good job with the yeah. Um, yeah. Well, does anybody else have anything they want to cover overall? I mean, the story itself is pretty simple. As like Sarah said, a bunch of teens go to cabin. Four of them get possessed and beat the shit out of Bruce Campbell for an hour and a half. Like, <laughs> here's a here's a question. Could this have worked as a standalone film? Yeah. What do you guys think? Ah, uh, yeah. It wouldn't be the franchise it is today, but it'd be one of those like, oh, you remember The Evil Dead? You know, that was pretty good. Yeah. I guess I, guess I wonder, because with the way that it kind of leaves the audience, especially at the end, leaving you in suspense, I mean, it's almost as if they, we, they wonder whether or not a sequel you know, was intended. I mean, granted, nobody knew exactly, of course, the production, but just based on how the story is told. Um, I don't know. Well, no, like, there was... Raimi didn't even want to do a sequel up to the point where they were starting talking about a sequel. That that sequel is just because Raimi's career was down, like, in the toilet. Um, yeah, because... Uh, he just likes... He likes bad endings on his in his films. A lot of his... Uh, non Evil Dead movies that aren't like superhero movies have that. Drag, Drag me to hell. hell. That's true. Yeah, that's just a rainy thing. Um, but yeah, I think if the, if this had been the only one, it would have been like, hey, you know, you remember Evil Dead? It's it's pretty good. You know, it's classic. But it wouldn't be like, hey, you remember Evil Dead? You remember Ash? Remember remember Deadites? Oh, they're the, those uh, zombies, right? <laughs> Remember zombies? The same level as, like, Remember like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What's up, Dulu? I think it'd probably be like seeing the same play of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre scene or whatever. If if like that movie was left as like just its own thing, you know, I think that's probably what it would be like. Yeah, I suppose there's some parallels between the productions as well. See, I think if uh, I think if it had just been a one and done, it would have been like those. It would have been like those, like, some of those 80s slashers where we just got a one and done. And anybody who's in the genre is like, hey, you know, that's classic. It's well-received. Well uh, it probably would have been slightly above that, but maybe not as big as Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. But uh, interesting question. I've never thought about that just because the sequel's better in every, like, conceivable way. Um mm -hmm. Well, don't worry. I think about it, so you don't have to. I will fire you. <laughs> Bring Sarah on to replace you. 
Yeah. Uh, do little Sarah any final thoughts about this movie before we move on to rating? Um, I guess I was thinking about it. Um, just interesting trivia for the movie. This is where we're introduced to the Oldsmobile that's in every Sam Raimi film. So it's uh, something that people don't realize until they see a movie like Quick and the Dead and they're like, why is there an Oldsmobile here in the Wild West? But okay. But yeah, yeah. no, that's, that's always something I think about for the first film is that's our first introduction to it. And it's I still gotta see that. Completely forgot mm-hmm. the Oldsmobile was in the Quick and the Dead. Now I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most famously, uh, Sarah, have you seen Ash vs. Evil Dead? Yeah, I have. Okay. I love the episode where it gets all Christine, like possessed. And- yeah. It's awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. I completely slipped my mind. Every time we do a show, we'll end, and I'm like, oh, I should have mentioned that. So I appreciate that. Uh, Doolittle, anything no else to add? Um, no, uh, just, uh, I had a fun time uh, going back to it. I don't go back to this one as much as the sequels. That's another thing I wanted to mention, actually. So, uh, it was, it was fun to revisit it again. Um, yeah, same. You know, yeah. All right. Uh, so Sarah, we usually end with the movie just giving it a general out of five rating. Uh, it's kind of superfluous, but it's just to kind of, you know, give her general thoughts. I still can't speak English. Uh, I'm going to give it a four out of five. This is a masterpiece in amateur filmmaking. It's important history-wise, but it is the weakest uh, of the trilogy, I think, at least. Uh, Now, I know there are two camps, right? Like, there's the Evil Dead 1 is better, and there's Evil Dead 2 is better. Um, I know a few people who prefer the first one. That doesn't make sense to me, but I think it's the tone, right? Like, because that's a more serious in quotation marks, movie. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a good movie. Watch it. But watch the sequels first so you know what it, what it actually, what the franchise actually is. Yeah. Uh, we'll move on to Sarah. She's like, fuck. <laughs> Are we introducing the next film? or? <laughs> no, you're giving it a score out of five. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Um, gosh. She's been like that her whole life. (laughs) I go on to the next thing before the first is even finished. It's it's a habit. Um, so I give this two different scores. I want to give it a five out of five for production creativity because they literally had nothing and studio backing wasn't that great. And they did great things with it, which led to two other films. And then... I want to give it like a 3.5 out of 5 for just overall film, like plot and everything, because 2 is definitely more interesting than 1. 1 is a little, it's more serious, and and we don't get the true Ash that we know today. Groovy. Milton. Yeah, I'd say a a 4 out of 5. It's not a perfect movie, but it does a lot of stuff really well. It, um... It definitely comes in, the franchise comes into its own in two, but a lot of the, the skeleton of what makes two great is present in one. So, yeah. Yeah, I just watched you a little bit too the other night, and after watching this, I want to watch that again. 
Ah, uh, Doolittle, what's what is your score for this film? Uh, like a four out of five, I think. I think that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Because Evil Dead Two is like a five, and Army of Darkness is like a five. This is a four out of five. Yeah, let's we'll go with that. Hell yeah! All right, now we finally caught up to Sarah. Let's move on to uh, uh, what's the name of this movie? Sinister. Uh, Sinister. Yeah, I got this mixed up with Insidious for like a week, and I still get them mixed up. Yeah, yeah so that's what happened to me too for some reason. And it's just wait. Adjectives right for evil. Same um, company too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same. Uh, yeah. So I'm I'm gonna let Milton do the introduction, but I do have to say I was pleasantly surprised by this movie. Uh, I remember when this came out, I wrote it off because it was right at the beginning of that like, here's five million generic ghost stories, spooky jump scares. I was like, fuck that yeah. shit. I ain't watching that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm glad I watched it, but before, but uh, we'll we'll get there. Uh, Milton, tell us about whatever the fuck this movie is called. Sinister, uh, released in 2012, is a horror film directed by Scott Derrickson, written by him as well as with C. Robert Cargill, who wrote um, Doctor Strange. Uh, the movie is basically about this family that occupies a more uh, rural part of, I forget which state. Um, basically, this uh, true crime writer it wants to move into the home uh, against his family's knowledge into the home of a family that did that reportedly did a murder-suicide. And basically, he discovers that things are not exactly what they appear to be as he uncovers more and more secrets that reveal the occult is at work. And in fact, there's something supernatural at play here. Spooky ghosts scare me! Yep. I go. Um, yeah. I, I, like I said, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Uh, Sarah, this was your first time watching Pittering. Do you see this? No. No, I, I've i seen it before. Again, another film that was introduced to me by my dad. Um, oh, cool. So, yeah, when I first saw it, it was really good, and then I rewatched it, and it's still just as good. Oh, that's what I was going to ask. What did you think of uh, Sinister? Uh, so, has every, everybody else, this was their first movie? Yep. I watched the first ten minutes before watching this movie, like, a while ago, and I just, like, got distracted. Uh, but, uh, this is my so by all intents and purposes, this is my first time watching it. I think. Yeah, I went into this movie completely blind, and I was kind of impressed. This is what I want from these like, here's the spook ghosts. Um, other than the obnoxious jump scares, like just knock that shit off. Uh, God, I hate jump scares. This is during that time where a lot of horror movies were doing that. A lot. I don't know why you, what you mean during that time. We're still doing that shit. I'd, I'd like to think it's past us, but of course it's not. But you have go go watch The Conjuring 3. There, John. There's three jump scares within five minutes. <laughs> I'd like to believe I exist in a world where we don't have to deal with problems like this. But well, you we know. Uh, but yeah, uh, Ethan Hawke is, is really good. 
And it's kind of funny that we're doing this movie with Ethan Hawke, because just a couple weeks ago, we did a movie with his daughter in it, Fear Street Part 1. Yeah. He is the girl at the beginning. He's trying to remember. Really? Oh, that's, a, that's cool. Yeah, because she's... Uh, I think she's going to end up being like a big Netflix actress, because she was in uh, Stranger Things, too. Oh, and I haven't seen... Uh... All oh, Stranger Things only seen the first episode of my set, so I didn't. Uh, she comes in in season three. She seems to be a competent oh, actress, so. Yeah, she's. Uh, spoilers for Fear Street, but she's kind of like the Drew Barrymore uh, role in that movie. Because that movie is very. That first oh, one's wow. like. Remember Scream? <laughs> yeah, I remember Scream. But uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. This is, this is kind of just a unravel a murder plot. Uh, until it isn't. <laughs> yep. uh, I really yeah. like Bagul's design. He's he's like appropriately creepy, uh, and they know how little to show and how much to show and how much lore to develop because it always usually makes sense. It doesn't like collapse on itself. Trivia for this film: I was talking with Doolittle earlier. Apparently, he looks like Mick Thompson from Slipknot. I was thinking or... that too. Yeah. I was like, this is like something out of Slipknot. This is awesome. Yeah, they quote a little bit, I think, from like Norwegian black metal, I think. Um, and the songs used during the whole movies, I believe, are Norwegian black metal songs, I think. Um, I'm not entirely okay. sure. Uh, which, by the way, those are probably the best parts of the movie by far, are the whole movie um, uh, sequences, because they're just, like, so... Those are genuinely scary, except for the lawnmowers, obviously. Uh, those are genuinely, like, really scary, intense, and disturbing. I fucking hate that one, because I was... I was I looked away for a second, I heard, like, the jump scare music. I was like, I, oh, I missed something, so I rewound it to see what I missed, and somehow, even though I knew it was coming, it still fucking got it, Fucking it jump just, scares, man. It just gets that natural reaction out of you with that love terror, <laughs> violence. And then, uh, but, but yeah, I I was almost thinking it was going to be an art film just based on how it opened up. Oh, I knew from the poster thing. it wouldn't be an art film. Well, I was... I yeah. Hoped, but, but, it's got um, a little girl with the blood portrait of the ghoul. Mm-hmm. Awesome name, by the way. Like, Can we get more like cool demon names in fiction again? Yeah, it's a fun name. I think it's kind of based off of the naming convention. is kind of similar to what's in D anD D. I think, like with the prefix and goal that. to it. But maybe. But um, other inspirations for this character, like no, he is not actually like based off of like a real like pagan deity from back in the day. He's more or less inspired by a Moloch, who is like an actual Babylonian. Deity who eats children, and there's like some inspiration from Baal as well. From thank God I can sleep at night knowing he's not real. No, I was. I felt I was a little disappointed to learn that he's (laughs) that he wasn't. But I still think a good design, good visual, good visual design. He's definitely built for the jump scare kind of feel with his uh, general look. Um, The things I want to praise this movie for the most is it does have a good sense of tension, and then. The scenes that are legitimately scary and not just, oh, you made me jump, is when, like, it'll just be a scene, right? Like, he's doing, Ethan Hawke is just doing something. But, like, 
something's in the corner that shouldn't be there or, you know, something like that. Not, here's a loud noise, so you'll jump like six feet out of your chair. Oh, like with the ghost kids in the background, all that stuff is pretty creepy. Yeah, like the ghost kid stuff is creepy. That ghoul, like, pulling a Pennywise out of a projector is not, it's not scary. He just made me jump. Uh, what uh, what overall did you think, Sarah? It's been a minute since you've uh, had a chance to talk. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. And outside of that, I could kind of tell that production was also like the Evil Dead in terms of not having a lot of backing. And I and I found some numbers for uh-huh. uh, budget that they they did. Um, they were filmed on a three million dollar budget, but it grossed eighty seven million dollars. And I found it interesting that the Evil Dead was filmed on a one yes. million today one million um, budget, and it grossed twenty nine million dollars. Yeah. So I thought that that connection between the two was really cool because these are really great original films, but they didn't have a lot of support in the beginning, mm-hmm. and they did a lot of things with that. I also thought um, Cargill, the writer, he I thought it was funny he took a lot of inspiration for the script from his own life. So I was like, what are you doing in your old life for all of this stuff to... Lots and lots of white powder. Yeah. Yeah. Baby powder. My question. Yeah, Yeah. I thought, uh, I... Oh, sorry. Oh, no, I'm good. You can go. Oh, I was just actually, I was going to say, you mentioned, uh, I think a little bit ago in the, the server about the... The kid being real. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I thought, mm-hmm. oh no, I was just gonna say, I thought that part was legitimately like scary. That was like the only chance. Yeah. Okay. yeah, he he mentioned when he came up with that scene, he was like, Yeah, my son does that all the time because his son that's... has night terrors and he'll just like scream and stare oh. at you. And I'm like, Oh, well, that's not, that's <laughs> no. not funny yeah. at all. <laughs> it's a real thing, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I will say the first one was a little too manufactured for me. It was like, what do you do? Go hide in that box so he could have a night night terror and scare someone. But I also don't no, have I experience with night terror, so yeah, crazy. Yeah, crazy what happens. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that this movie has connections with Evil Dead because it has more than one actually. Uh, Raimi replaced the director of this movie for the upcoming Doctor Strange, which is why we paired these two movies together. Yep. Um, Super excited for that movie. Uh, yes. Yeah, speaking of the director, have you guys looked at this guy's other filmography? Uh, it's not it's very, rough. Not very long. Yeah, it's... This man did Hellraiser 5. Is it, yeah, directed DVD movie, I think. Uh, yeah, uh, that is the first one that was directed DVD. Uh, mm-hmm. It's probably the best that was directed DVD, so I'll give him credit for that. But his other... Yeah. Hey, you gotta start somewhere. So that wasn't even his first movie. Uh, his his other credits include The Exorcism of Emily Rose, which I heard was good. The remake of The Day the Earth Stood Still, and uh, he's doing the Labyrinth sequel, apparently. Oh. The Jim Henson Labyrinth. No, that yeah. other Labyrinth that everybody knows. Yes. The Pan's Labyrinth. I don't know. No, he's. <laughs> Why would I say the the sequel to the Pan's Labyrinth is called The Labyrinth? 
Um, Hollywood has done weirder stuff before. Well, he's doing an adaption of a Joe Hill uh, short story, which will be cool uh, in the future. Bermuda? In the, yeah, Joe Hill's like the son of Stephen King. Uh, oh, okay. So that might be good. And I will say, yeah. that he seems to be a decent writer because uh, he writes yeah. a lot of the movies that he directs. Now he also wrote Sinister Two, which I have not heard so good such good things about. Uh, but oh, everything yeah, I've heard about that movie seems like it's a director problem because he doesn't direct that one. Yeah, yeah. Which is a shame because I would love to see a good sequel to this. This was surprisingly good. Yeah, I'm not sure how you do a sequel to this because this is kind of like a mystery. You know what I mean? And just be um, a similar setup: family moves into the house, just makes up like why the family's there. Yeah. yeah, apparently the sequel like goes into more of the like the mythology behind the the goal. Like, oh, that's always a mistake. That's a mistake. Yeah. It, yeah. it establishes the reason why he has the sewn mouth is because Moloch did it, did it to him because the ghoul, his younger brother, decided to just copy him, and Moloch got mad. That's what? cool, but like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think that's kind of cool because that's the it's pretty serious like mythology, but like. I hate I don't human think nature. I we we have to over-explain everything. Just the ghoul's creepy yeah. little creeping thing. Just leave it at that. I just rather just not even be explained. Just like I don't, I don't know why it's that way. It's really it's really messed up. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm really cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna sound like a hypocrite because I love I like the Rob Zombie Halloween movie. Hmm. Hmm. Well, yeah. But. I don't need every killer thing to have a grand, elaborate backstory. Stop it, Hollywood. Stop it. And they say no, because well, we make money. Especially if it's like tied to the original thing so closely together. Right? That's, I think that's another thing. Is that I get like because the Halloween remake at least is like its own thing. Totally it's just a different universe. Yeah, so you can kind of separate that from the first. And I mean, it's still a better backstory than oh, this cult is possessing him to do things for some reason. Yeah, but, it's more uh, grounded. Yeah, I liked everyone in this movie uh, for the most part. I thought the wife was a little irritating at times, but that might have just been because I. W- it's kind of from Ethan Hawke's point of view, so it's kind of irritating because we want him to succeed, and she just wants to get the fuck out of there. Um, but I can also sympathize with her at points, especially when you find out the big twist, which if they're living in the uh, murder house, for lack of a better term. Yeah, I got a different read. I was actually on her side the whole time. That's okay to be wrong. But I I was understanding even (laughs) Hawk's point of view because, you know, some writers like to do that. They like to immerse themselves in the environment uh, and whatnot. Well, I mean, he should have been up front. Yeah, definitely. Because I was like, because when the movie started, uh, sorry, what's up? No, no, you you go first. I was just going to say, when the movie starts and, like, the sheriff's harassing Ethan Hawke, I'm not even going to bother remembering his name because I don't care that much. Um, Yeah. He's like, oh, you know, I don't approve of this. And I was like, what? So, like, something on the house. And I kind of forgot about it. And then they reveal, like, what it is. I was like, oh, that's what he... So that was a nice little effective twist. 
Yeah, I like the moral with his character. The idea that, like, he, uh, he's doing this just for, like, vanity. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, but, 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 like, you know, more that, like, you know, he, cause he's, like, taught, like, when he's, like, really scared or whatever, and she's like, what, what, what are you doing? Like, you know, why are you like this right now? You haven't, like, because this, 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 and then he just starts kind of saying, like, this will be my big break, like, this will be, like, my in cold blood, and that's not the reason you should be doing that kind of thing. You should be doing it for more of a pure kind of, like, like, in in the case for, like, a true crime novel, you know, something like in cold blood, it's for a greater truth, and it's for a greater kind of understanding of the situation justice it's it's not for uh you know like like that kind of like acceptance where like you're on talk shows or whatever and you're making money Mm -hmm. you know what i mean there should be something more pure and i also like the idea that his legacy is should be his his family uh for like his like work you know what i mean because he's only doing it because of the money you know at that point is yeah, it, there's definitely like an underlying theme of like the American success story almost possessing certain people, where people are overshadowed by, in a way, but how, by how much society gives back, and they almost feel enslaved as if their entire identity is wrapped up in like this one thing that they did. Yeah, I appreciated that quite a bit. I actually wish there's a bit more of that, uh, but I I thought that what we had was really. See, I thought the moral was don't have kids. Someone <laughs> <laughs> will speak to the devil, and the devil will convince them to kill your family or something. One might even yeah. say the devil made them. Or better yet, don't don't get a super eight. Oh, speaking of interesting thing. trivia for this movie, crossovers. This was originally supposed to have a crossover with the Insidious franchise. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm actually kind of surprised <clears throat> that it didn't. Well, because Sinister 2 uh, didn't like do Bond. so well. Yeah. Or not, no, yeah, Sinister. God damn it. I hate these fucking, like, one-word titles that are basically the same thing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, prior to the release of Insidious The Last Key, Jason Blum had stated that a crossover film between Sinister and Insidious had previously been in development, Tentatively entitled In Sinister. Because, you know, that's not a terrible name or anything. In Sinister? Yeah. It's not Sinister anymore. And it's not Insidious. (laughs) (laughs) It's just another word that means evil. I don't even know if that's actually a word. But. No, but it's invisible. If you're invisible, you're not visible. You're in. So, In Sinister. Hollywood. That's a terrible title. It's oh a my god! Story. He invades the dream of uh, Freddy Krueger, and he, I don't know. So, and I don't even know what Insidious is about, but it seems to me if Bagul is stuck in like tapes and pictures and shit, it'd be hard to cross him over with anyone. Because like, how do you, you know, what like uh, the girl, the girl from the Ring, maybe. I don't know. Well, and I guess they didn't make a Ring versus the Grinch movie, so. 
Well, that was the inspiration yeah. from it to a certain degree with uh, the Super 8 thing. As well as oh, apparently right, yeah. the filmmaker's a nightmare. Like, it was, like that's where he took like the Super 8 in the attic kind of thing. Uh, it should also mm -hmm. be noted that the sequel did not use the Super 8 stuff. Instead, it used a 16mm film vinyl records and hammer radio. Huh. It's like, you couldn't keep okay. the, like, one, the best thing from your first movie. Fuck you. That's interesting. The radio thing sounds a little bizarre. Does he hear, like, heavy breathing or something? Yes. It just says, cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it could be, like, with the Nine Inch Nails, uh, uh, when they were promoting... Oh, God, John's gonna know the name. I'm forgetting. But there, there is a record that came out, and uh, one of the ways that Trent Reznor promoted it was he oh, would yeah. have these like flash drives, I think, uh, in the bathroom. If you found it, you could play like this, like really disturbing audio of like a of like someone calling the police or something like that. It could probably be like that, maybe I don't know. Um, but yeah, so apparently the ham radio is just like the ghost kids speak through it. Which is weird, because the first movie, they're all like, shh. Yeah. But okay. I thought the conceit was, like, speak no evil, essentially. Well, you, yeah. you remember, we have to make a sequel, and we need something new, so fuck the rules. No. Uh. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is another one where it's just kind of a simple, you know, watch this guy figure out uh, where it's going. At first, I thought it was going to be like a Shining thing, right? Like, he just goes insane uh, mm. and is possessed by Begul. But I, I appreciate this movie has, like, the balls to have, like, a bad ending. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Because I was like, yeah. how are they going to resolve this in, like, ten minutes and have a happy ending? And then they didn't. I was like, dude, sweet. And it's it's a worthy good ending because it it maintains the 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 style of the home movie <laughs> thing, especially at the end. It has a great sense of like ambient soundtrack and. Oh, I love that like drum thing so sense. much. And then uh, Bagul comes out of nowhere at the end, and you would just start not thinking about that. Spooky ghosts scare me. It can only be summoned if a Super Eight player is playing. <laughs> Something. That uh, was not the director's choice, but that was a producer's choice was to have that jump scare at the end. Yeah. And Scott Derrick just said, all right, sure, fine. And I wish that, that Scott Derrick some stuck to his guts. Yeah. So more, it was just you know, with all that, you know. It, it definitely seems like a studio decision to like have one more right at the very end. For, like, no reason. <laughs> and it's the same exact... Um, one <laughs> as earlier in the film. Um, it's it's the same like shot of him coming up from the side or whatever when he's climbing up a ladder. Um, and in the sequel, apparently they do that again at the end, and it's just reversed, so it's the other side instead. Oh my god! <laughs> so is is he like all CGI, or is there actually like a dude playing? Well, maybe. Uh, well, I think in that particular shot at CGI, but um, in the scene where he is with the little girl at the end, that is... Oh, yeah, that would have to be a guy. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, it's CGI. The girl was CGI'd into holding the arms of a CGI character. I mean, it's modern Hollywood. Like, nothing surprises me. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all I got. It was a solid, like, ghost story. Um, it could have, this, I only feel like I would give this a five if it wasn't for the stupid jump scares. Like, uh, this is a great movie. Yeah. But, Sometimes uh... There's a time for a jump scare to happen, it's fine. That time is never. No, jump scares can be used effectively, but the, all, everything with the jump scares in this is, like, peak modern horror of... Wasn't that spooky? I'm saying no. It didn't have to this this could have been as scary as the exorcist, I think. If yep. there weren't anything scared. Which is what they're going for, actually. That was like one of their things. And sometimes maybe drop the soundtrack so we listen to more silence. Like some scenes do that well. Because especially yeah. if we get the ambient tracks in the home movies, that's really the only music we need. Because it works really well. Yeah. Uh, great, great cast. It has a good sense of tension until it doesn't. Uh, it's like jump scares just ruin any of the tension because then you just like, you startled me and now I'm annoyed. Like, fuck you, movie. Um, yeah. But yeah, Sarah, what, uh, what other thoughts do you want to throw into the ring on this movie? Um. And it's already been mentioned, but this film was inspired by The Ring, which I saw a lot of. And it kind of, well, it's a great film. There were parts of it that I was just like, it's too much like The Ring for me to, you know, distinguish between the two. So that was really the only thing I didn't like about it. But it was a good film overall, I thought. Yeah. So... One of the problems with modern horror is we're just pulling from so much other stuff, which isn't a bad thing, mind mm-hmm. you, but sometimes you know you just you pull a little too much. I personally yeah. didn't have that, but I can definitely see see where that uh, would come. Uh, Milton, what about you? I generally like this movie. I was gen- I was genuinely spooked. Did you and, um, I was a bit more forgiving of some of the jump scares, but definitely the last one is not. He no. jumped so hard he threw his headphones across. The- <laughs> no, I, I I generally like this movie. I I feel like it's it's weird looking at the uh, filmography of Ethan Hawke. Like I I think in my head of this like older person's like, hey, you know that nice kid who started Dead Poet Society? Oh. Yeah, he's making horror films now. <laughs> Well, usually it's it's funny, right? Because it's usually the reverse. It's like, hey, you remember that guy that was in like that Poet Society movie? Did you know before that he was in a horror movie? Yeah, he was with a he was a little kid, and he saw ghosts. And apparently, sometimes ghosts don't know that they're dead. That's a career, Kelly <laughs> Joel Osment, right there. <laughs> um. Yeah, Doolittle, what are your final thoughts and then we'll move into everyone's ratings? Um, oh, I want to talk about the soundtrack because I thought the soundtrack is great and that's my boy, Christopher Dunk. Uh, he did a pretty good job once again. Um, 
Yeah, I, I I thought it was great. It was it's much different than I thought it would be. I thought it would be his traditional kind of gothic yeah. kind of like feel, but it was a bit more modernized, which is interesting. Uh, yeah, which I liked. Um, uh, not a lot of it stuck with me. I I mean, maybe no. I want to listen to that, you know, on my own. But what the what did stick with me is the theme he uses towards the end. That's just like drums. And kind of yeah. like some kind of vocal performance, and that I thought that was really cool. Um, it was great, yeah. Uh, for any of you who don't know, Christopher Young scored Hellraiser, and I think that's one of the movies he's most well known for. Yeah, he's done a lot of big movies, but yeah, he also did Drag Me to Hell, The Grudge, Ghost Rider, Spider Man Three. He is yeah, but nobody cares about Spider Man Three. Oh. Uh, Spider Man Three soundtrack, I I actually think it's one of the best uh, superhero films. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Really Sarah, have you ever seen Power Racer? Oh my god, you really just need to come over to my house, and I'm just going to show you like horror movies for three days. Yeah, you should totally watch Power Racer. It's awesome. Power Racer, yeah, I'll see if the library has it. it. That's the one with um the guy with like the pins in his face, right? Yeah, I think it's somebody else. No, that's Power okay. So I know what it is. That I get points for that, but just uh, <laughs> I've never yeah. seen it. Don't watch it with anybody who's know, squeamish. Do you know anything about it? Like what it's about? Like no, Mm-mm. that's good. Don't don't know no. don't know about it. But uh, it, yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll make some recommendations for Sarah after the show. But I just wanted to ask because Christopher Young, who scored that this movie, also scores Hellraiser, uh, and it has a wonderfully like gothic score to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Chris Young. I'm gonna give it a four out of five as well. It this movie really surprised me. Maybe it's because I went in with like, oh, it's gonna be you know like a precursor to the Conjuring. It's gonna be boring. But no, I was I was thoroughly engaged throughout the whole thing. And if you haven't seen it, I would I would give it a shot. It's it's got some problems, some modern horror annoyances, but it's it's pretty good. Who wants to go next? Don't everybody jump at once. Oh. <laughs> no, the <to> guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I... Like like some of the conventions do, like, annoy me a little bit, but I was thoroughly engaged. I thought it, it had great sound engineering for what it does. Um, I think the ending was, like, a little... But, you know, I'll give it a 3.75 out of 5. That's so arbitrary, but okay. Well, I, I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to give it a 4, but I thought it was better than a 3.5, so uh, you know, what's the difference? Alright, we'll move on to uh, Sarah. What is your score for this movie out of 5? What? I give it a solid 4. Awesome. It, was, it kept me... Did you hear me? I did now, yeah. I give it a um, I give it a four. It's uh, it kept me engaged, but it doesn't fully get the five because it reminded me too much of the ring. I know. That's fair. All right, Dulo. What are, what are we giving the score today? This movie today? Uh, like a uh, like a three point five. Okay. 
Yeah, like three, three and a half actually be better. I, I, I'll do three and a half out of five because I really did like it. Uh, I would actually probably be a four uh, if there weren't like any jump scares, but I did think the jump scares got away a little bit. Um, watch it again though. Because like that could easily change to a four, I think. But, yeah, uh, for sure. I liked it. I did like it a lot watching it, and and um, I think I mentioned this before, but this makes me kind of sad that Scott Derrickson won't adapt Nightmare in the MCU because he did a good job with the pool, and um, you know, the pool is kind of like a Doctor Strange villain in a way. Like like that, that this is the kind of stuff Doctor Strange would fight in, in uh, the, the Steve Ditko run, I think. So I I think that it's kind of sad that Derrickson won't do Nightmare. But that's okay though, because Raimi's doing the sequel and Raimi's perfect for the crafting aspects of Doctor Strange, so I think it's going to be great. Yeah, I'm excited for that. If Raimi gets a second yeah. shot at Marvel. Yeah. Well, yeah. That was Insidious. Or no, shit. That was Sinister and uh, um, <laughs> The Evil Dead. See, I told you. I fucking hate those. Oh, we're just going to you know make a one title. Uh, movie. So, next week, Milton, we are doing Censor and A Quiet Place Part 2. Censor, uh, I've been, it's been on my radar for a while. It's about the video nasty uh, era, and it's kind of like a psychological horror about that era, so I'm, I'm curious to check that out. Uh, Sarah, it was a lot of fun having you on the show. You're always more than welcome to come back if you ever want to after this, but uh, she's like, nah, I'm never coming back. Fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming on the yeah, show. You fun. were great. Yeah. yeah, it was a blast. Yeah, maybe we'll have you come back for like Evil Dead Two or something. I want to do that at some point. Yeah. Have a revisit of that yeah. movie. Here we're gonna go mm-hmm. into a very full That'd house of Evil Dead Two. Like everyone, everyone <laughs> wants a piece of that movie. Well, we're gonna limit that to four people, so it'll probably be like me, you, Austin, and Sarah, or do little one of the two. I think any more than four, and it's just like everybody's talking over each other. It's complete chaos, man. But uh, we're going to call it a night. Uh, wrap, throw this episode in the bag. It's done. And we will get we will be back next week with A Quiet Place Part 2 and Censor. Thank you for watching, everyone. <laughs>